Hi, I'm Lorna Meehan, and welcome to Rebel Heroines, a podcast celebrating the rebel heroines of the Greek myths through original audio drama, poetry, book and theatre reviews, and interviews with fellow fans and creatives. In this podcast, the stereotypical and somewhat toxic heroes of the ancient world take a step back as we delve into the stories of the women who shaped their destinies. If you like your Greek myths seen through a feminist lens, enjoy creative adaptations of the classics such as the novels of Natalie Haynes and Madeline Miller, and agree that Hollywood hasn't made a decent movie set in antiquity since the original Clash of the Titans, this is the podcast for you. I'm Lorna Meehan, and welcome to episode one of Rebel Heroines, a podcast celebrating the rebel heroines of the Greek myths through original audio drama, poetry, book and theatre reviews, and interviews with fellow fans and creatives. In this podcast, the stereotypical and somewhat toxic heroes of the ancient world take a step back as we delve into the stories of the women who shaped their destinies. If you like your Greek myths seen through a feminist lens, enjoy creative adaptations of the classics such as the novels of Natalie Haynes and Madeline Miller, and agree that Hollywood hasn't made a decent movie set in antiquity since the original Clash of the Titans, this is the podcast for you. I'm by no means an expert or a classics academic, but I am a huge fan and I wanted to make this for fellow fans so we can all geek out together. So uh, just to tell you a little bit about me and why I love Greek mythology, I'm a actor, poet, solo theatre maker. I first got into Greek mythology many years ago when I was doing my A-levels and I was originally going to do drama, English literature and art. It turned out I was really bad at art, but all was not lost because the classical civilizations teacher was always taking me aside and saying, I think you really should consider doing my class if you like drama and English because there's so much in there for it. And in the end, I'm really glad that I got quite a bad grade for my A-level art because I ended up doing class civ instead and it sparked a real love affair with the classics. We read the Iliad, the Odyssey, the Aeneid, we did Greek tragedy and uh, the Roman stuff. And my teacher, Mr. Eddie, shout out to Mr. Eddie if you're still around, what a legend, used to do all the voices, which was hilarious. And at the end of a, a hard term of like, you know, sifting through all these classics, we would watch like Jason and the Argonauts or Clash of the Titans and do that very nerdy thing of going, oh, hang on, that's not how that myth goes. Oh, he's mixed up this with that. Oh, shoddy. But, you know, they were all so awesome. So Classiv was a joy. And I've adored it ever since. However, it wasn't until much later, 
when I started to read contemporary literature by women about the women of Greek mythology, which was when I started to find my feminism, that I realised just how much these heroines get pushed to the side and stuck in these stereotypical roles. These women are complex, they're courageous, they're clever, they're resourceful, they can be vengeful, jealous, manipulative, they can be like seemingly meek but are secret powerhouses. There is so much going on and as much as the classics and their heroes have a lot going on for them as well, I mean who doesn't love Achilles having his little hissy fit in the Iliad, you know, stomping around the camp going, I'm not killing any more Trojans till you give me my girlfriend back. Nah. I mean, hilarious. But you no, know, the heroes have their place but this is a podcast championing contemporary takes on the classics with the women at the forefront. And for my first book recommendation, I would like to big up 15 Heroines, which is a book of monologues based on a fantastic theatre production at Jerram Street Theatre in London. And it was literally... 15 monologues about 15 different women of Greek mythology written by women and was based on the heroines by Ovid. Love a bit of Ovid and good on him for giving the women their own book. So this production was online over the pandemic and they had some great actors like Gemma Wheeler and Olivia Williams playing these amazing nuanced heroines. And what I loved about it was that I got to meet lesser known heroines like Anone, Paris's first wife, Hypermestra, Phyllis. That was a great one. I never saw turning into a tree as an act of feminism before. This show and this book was a major influence on doing this podcast because it gives the women their agency back. There were writers like April DeAngelis, Timberlaine Wharton Baker, Natalie Haynes. I'm going to be talking about Natalie Haynes a lot. Love her. I actually met her at one of her book signings a few years back and I managed not to be too gushy. Um, I don't think. <laughs> I, uh, I think this production really fleshed out these women and gave them relevance in a modern world. And my favourite monologue in that production and in the book is what brings me to my favourite Greek heroine, Ariadne. And I'm also going to be talking about her husband, who happens to be my favourite Greek god, Dionysus. And I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent about Dionysus. And you might be thinking, he's not a heroine. I hear you. But he is pivotal for my love of Greek mythology. And here's why. Around the same time I was doing my A-levels, I was introduced to a band called The Doors. They are from the 60s, they're American and they were, you know, very psychedelic. You might know the song, Come on baby, light my fire, my favourite song. And uh, their lead singer was a very wild, charismatic, rebellious rock star called Jim Morrison. And he epitomised the Dionysian spirit. He was into exploring the darker side of the psyche. He was into the ritual, tribal madness of music and theatre. He loved to stir up the crowd into ecstatic trances and he liked the drink. And these are all very Dionysian qualities and he was very inspired by him and Jim had a massive effect on my life and continues to be uh, something of an idol of mine. He was the beginning of my coming of age through music and books and uh, subtle rebellions. 
I actually wrote my first solo show, Brazen, about his influence on me and the influence of the band on me. And this all links in to everything I'm going to be talking about with Ariadne. And my second book recommendation, if this is of interest, is The Dionysian Spirit by Sean Fitton, who talks about Dionysus's effect on culture throughout history. And Jim Morrison gets his own section as the rock star who embodied the Dionysian spirit to its fullest. And I highly recommend you listen to The Doors because they're awesome. So Dionysus was always my favourite god because he was all about freedom and breaking out and pushing back and tapping into something wild and earthy and unlike a lot of the gods and goddesses on Olympus who toyed with mortals for their own amusement and were just so vile to women, he put himself on more of an equal footing with mortals because he was half mortal himself and he had his own cult that moved through the ancient world which had at its core this sense of lifting mortals up and bringing them joy. I mean, he had his moments. You definitely didn't want to take the mick with him. The play The Bacchae is a cautionary tale for those who don't recognise his divinity. And uh, just as another little tangent here, I saw Ben Whishaw playing Dionysus in The Bacchae in London years ago and he was great and he definitely showed you the two contradictory natures of the god. And though it didn't get nearly as bacchanalial and orgiastic as I wanted it to. That's just me, I guess. I really enjoyed it. And I also saw a great contemporary version of Bacchae at Edinburgh Fringe. And it was about the actresses playing the Bacchae backstage. And it was all about them feeling more and more sexually objectified by the director. And they full on killed him at the end. And he was actually playing Dionysus in the play as well. So that was a nice twist. So Dionysus is my favourite god and he is a pivotal presence in my favourite myth, which is the myth of, and we're making a nice cycle return back to Ariadne here, the myth of Ariadne and Dionysus. I love this myth because it's one of the few god-mortal love affairs that is consensual, doesn't end with rape, murder or general horrible things happening to the heroine. To me, this myth is all about sexual awakening, empowerment, the balance between the divine masculine and the divine feminine. It's about nurturing power rather than harmful power. It's about the power of nature. And far from being her perfect, heroic saviour, Dionysus for me is the catalyst for Ariadne's own journey of self-love from girl into woman and you know he's not perfect like I said he has his own volatile nature but they they balance each other they complement each other Dionysus and Ariadne have this connection where they bring out the best in each other I think and there are lots of parallels in this myth for my own journey through sexual awakening and finding my own voice So, in case you don't know, here's the myth. Ariadne was a princess of Crete and daughter to King Minos and Queen Pasiphae. Her brother was the Minotaur, the half-man, half-monster who was imprisoned in the labyrinth, which was built by Daedalus. He was father of Icarus, that guy who flew too close to the sun, another cautionary tale there. And... The Minotaur was fed the tributes from Athens. 
he was fed the youth of Athens. This was all because her father, Minos, was basically a bit of a vengeful ass. And one day, Theseus, one of the so-called heroes of the ancient world, but who is, in my opinion, the biggest tool out of all of them, he's vile, and you'll see why, he was the son of the king of Athens, and he decided to come to Crete as one of the tributes to take a pop at the Minotaur, to take him out and be a hero. Yay, Theseus, the big I am. Ariadne, who by this point is still very innocent and closeted, and I guess pretty lonely considering her family circumstances, falls for Theseus, and with Daedalus's help, leads him through the labyrinth, and in a bittersweet turn turn of fate gets her brother killed or freed from his suffering depending on how you look at it and Theseus thanks her for this by marrying her stealing her away and then abandoning her on an island to go off and play rapey murdery paedophile hero some more what an arse so Ariadne is obviously a complete mess and wants to tear Theseus up and rightly so and it's at this point when she's at her lowest, jilted, abandoned, shamed. How can she go back to her family? Why would she want to anyway? What's going to become of her? It's at this point that she meets Dionysus. And he really couldn't be more different from Theseus. He is honest where Theseus is devious. He is giving where Theseus just takes he loves Ariadne for who she is and not what he can attain from her. He's what we call in the business a grown-ass man and a god at that. So he is quite an upgrade. And it's worth mentioning here in terms of his aesthetic that he's often portrayed as an androgynous youth. So he's not this big muscly meathead who wants to eat, fight and shag all the time. He's the exotic other. He's non-threatening, but he is nevertheless mysterious and sensual and an agent of change. And Dionysus and Ariadne fall in love. They get married. He turns her bridal crown into a constellation. I mean, you know, what girl doesn't want that? They have loads of kids and after she dies, because she is mortal, don't forget, he brings her back from Hades to live with him on Olympus. What a dude. And what you get with this myth is essentially a girl's whole life, her journey from girlhood to womanhood and further down into the myth, marriage, motherhood, and even after she dies, you know, her journey is not over. So there's a lot of scope in the character of Ariadne to find, you know, the maid, the mother, the enchantress, the crone, all these like divine feminine attributes. And she is a true rebel heroine because she essentially betrays her family to run off with this guy, but she, in a way saves her family through that action because she saves her brother from further suffering. She liberates the youth of Athens, you know, something that she will never really get thanked for. <laughs> 
And she is always faced with these, you know, sort of pivotal choices, but she doesn't seem to get much out of them until she meets a man, a god, who gives her space to be herself and says to her, you know, what do you want? And it turns out she wants him. And and they have, and you don't get many of these in Greek mythology, a true equal love match. Well, that's my favourite version of this myth. Anyway, there are other versions which don't paint Dionysus in quite so favourable a light. So sometimes Dionysus orders Theseus to abandon Ariadne because he wants her for himself. And I have to say, even in that version, I still prefer to go with Dionysus because (laughs) why wouldn't Dionysus want better for Ariadne? So yeah, I would be fine with that. And at this point, I would like to share with you a poem that I wrote, which is an example of the kind of thing I'm going to be showcasing on the podcast. And it's Ariadne just after her abandonment by Theseus, just before she meets the man, the god rather, who will truly love her. Ariadne to Theseus. Now I'm done raging. I'm happy you left me here. Away from the endless twisting, twisting twisting through through dead-end corners, corners, mazes of of blood, horror in the guise of love, churning in guts, my my guts spilled out to lead you through to your glory, to death. Where all shine is seen for its deception. You did one good deed with your powerful hands, your talent for butchery. I hope that when my brother breathed his last, he remembered me singing, singing, soft as I rocked him under stars and sunlight he never saw again, until your light came, all blazing, fierce. There is a force here on this island prison that watches over me without taking from me, that comes with drums and dark and freedom screeching through the trees. I'm getting braver. One night I will join them, and when you see me you will not know me. So sail on. Try run from your black soul, but it will creep up and drown you. This I promise. There is a lover here for me, with more to offer than the world you go to thrust yourself upon. A world that calls my brother monster. And you, hero. So that was my Ariadne poem. I hope you enjoyed it. Why I love Ariadne is that she's no Helen of Troy, like she's not this great beauty. She's not this savvy political player or haughty harridan. She's really just a girl who's trying to do her duty and follow her passion. And she can't do both in the classical world until she meets a god who lets her be as she is, who doesn't take anything from her and who makes her happy. And she deserves that happiness. 
And at this point, I just wanted to recommend a poet called Fiona Benson, who has a collection called Ephemeron, and it has a poem cycle in it in the voice of Pasiphae, Ariadne's mother. And what a strange time she has of it in this myth, because she basically has a spell put on her, so she wants to mate with a bull. And then she has this strange monster child that her husband then puts in a labyrinth and forces to eat people. And all of that is because of his mindless pride. And there's a great poem in this cycle that I just wanted to share a little bit of. And it's in the voice of Ariadne. And she is talking about caring for her brother. And when I saw Fiona Benson perform this live, she talked about how she wanted to reimagine the Minotaur as a disabled child And to have that sense of him not being a monster at all, but a child who is rejected because he looks different or doesn't communicate the way that everyone around him does. And and it's a beautiful poem about his sister caring for him and nurturing him. And it's a lovely way of bringing feminine energy into this otherwise toxic situation. So this is a poem in the voice of Ariadne. This is just a short extract from it. He called me knee. He'd tilt his head if he wanted to be petted. Could sway it for a no and nod for yes. Sometimes he was rough, but I could manage him. The trick was to kick him behind the knees and he'd fold like a pile of blocks. We had a sign for sorry. You patted your chest. Sometimes I find myself patting there still. That blighted, sorry place as I apologise to him. Lost in that far away forgetting zone. And I really love that poem in terms of throwing up the fact that even though she ends up in this pretty ideal situation with her god lover her god husband she still has these regrets about her past and the things that she wasn't able to do for her family for her brother and two more books about Ariadne that I wanted to recommend so Ariadne by Jennifer Saint is a novel which charts Ariadne's journey and at the same time the journey of her sister Phaedra who unfortunately for her, gets lumbered with that tool Theseus, who Ariadne was thankfully liberated from. And the parallels between the sisters' journeys and the different directions they go in is really lovely detail of the book. And there's a lot of the Ariadne that I love in this book, though I did want her to embrace her wildness more. And I thought Dionysus, again, could have been a little wilder and more daring and dangerous in how he used his potent powers, in what he used them for. And the version of Ariadne's death that um, she ended the novel with was quite unexpected and a little bit anticlimactic, which was a shame. But ultimately, there's a lot to love in this book if you love the character of Ariadne. My favourite book about Ariadne is actually what I guess would be classed as a young adult novel and it's called Ariadne Awakes by Doris Orgel. 
which again charts her journey and ends with her meeting Dionysus. And it has beautiful illustrations. And I highly recommend it for any young women you know who are at that pivotal stage when they're learning about desire, autonomy, respectful relationships and consent. So that's a really beautiful Ariadne story. So one last thing I wanted to share with you for this episode is a poem inspired by the bacchanalial wildness I'm always banging on about. It's called I Was a Menad. And a Menad, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a female follower of Dionysus. And I definitely think I was one in a past life. And in my mind, I was imagining Ariadne going through that journey of embracing her power and imagining, you know, what it might have been like for her to have just joined Dionysus's cult of wild, free women and how that would actually feel. And it's a bit of a prequel to a full-length audio drama I've made about the Ariadne Dionysus myth called Wild, which I will be sharing in a future episode. So that's something to look forward to. Content warning, I do say the F word and it gets a bit orgasmic at one point, but I'm sure you're not surprised by that now, considering the God we're talking about. Uh, So feel free to go listen to this outside under a full moon, swigging some wine if the mood takes you and maybe bang some drums and get wild. This I know. I was once a menad. On the slopes of Mount Nysa, the woods taught me wildness as I danced for my god. I was moon howler, wolf witch, naked serpent queen. I drank his heady elixir and shook the ground and made the mountains sing. And the drums and the drums and the drums of decadence danced to me. And all the oracles of the land could not fathom me because I saw the true pattern. My God, too human for heaven, too rebellious for death, I death-danced with my sisters and mothers and daughters for my God and sucked him greedily, gnawed on his sweet bones, gave myself to strangers in the shadows, ecstatic pleasure moments. And the fire, and the fire, and the fire cracked rising. The panther scratched down my back softly until I was a pure vessel, compelling all those chained to the hearth to flee and drink and fuck on the mountainside, dance themselves free and rage and rush. I ate the forbidden fruits without apology. I spread my legs and felt no shame. And when the dawn showed me the murder scenes, I cried again, again, I'm not afraid. Chaos is the vine from which life bursts forth. My God in my mouth, his seduction on my lips. I kept the moon's rhythm in time and empires rose and fell at the swing of my hips. I was a menad, 
snakes in my hair, honey venom on my tongue, shaking my thyrsus and toying with hurricanes, and armies would cower before my macabre hymns of joy. I was an ugly, branch-scratched animal, worshipped by my twice-born deliverer, his heart quickened by Mother Earth. The world turned upside down and found wanting until there was only me and him. And any man who tried to drag me away for taming, I would tear him limb from limb as I called him coward. I was brave. I could command the dead to rise and the gods took heed as I flung my limbs and danced eternity into being my core, creation, the antidote to pain, the dark abandon of sensual madness, the cure for all crisis. There is nothing like this. I was once a meanad. Hail Dionysus. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Please feel free to like, subscribe, leave me a review. Please share it with your friends. Feel free to leave me feedback. And also if you have any suggestions for future episodes uh, in terms of content and any books or theatre recommendations that are on theme, do feel free to tell me about those. I'd love to know what's going on out there. All the books I've mentioned, I'll put in the links in the show notes so you can find them. And also, if you're a creative with any pre-recorded content on theme, please feel free to send it for potential inclusion in future episodes. And next month, our rebel heroine will be the infamous Medusa. I hope you can join me for that. <laughs> <laughs>